Yeah, I mean the man, the Trump thing is weird. Like he he built a culture of disrespect though. Yeah, because he felt like he was being disrespected, so he just flipped the script around. Like you know the whole uh, fake news and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Like he he built that narrative. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, he he brought disrespect to the office when, yeah. when he was making fun of the you know the guy um, the one of the reporters that was uh, disabled. And, mm-hmm. and, and Trump was like, you know, he did his thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. unprecedented. <laughs> that's unprecedented for a president <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I laughed. I don't laugh because, because he's making fun of a disabled person. You know, that, that's not it. I laugh because he, he was just, I mean, who does that? Hey everybody, welcome to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Yes sir. How you doing today, sir? I'm good, dude. This feels weird. It, well, 6.15 this, on yeah. a Thursday night when yeah. we're recording. What's up with that? Everything is weird right now. It's like, we don't do this. Yeah. But do you remember, we kind of used to. We used to just kind of be like, whenever we had a chance, and a lot of times it was evenings, um, it was in this very room where we started the podcast, where I'm at right now. But things things were different back then. It was much fuller in here. It was a lot uh, more crowded, and there was a, a lot of crap in this room. It was my office, but it was also just a very crowded room of stuff. And uh, There also used to be a lot more booze involved. A lot of booze was involved, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, fact, Which, the fact that three years later we're still doing it and we're actually talking about like a lot of serious topics is... Kind of mind blowing. It is that we've made it, it this far. But you know, it, I think it's important to note that I'm also sober now too. So that that might be it's, it's true. <laughs> of course, that's <laughs> that's still a pretty recently, uh, pretty recent yeah. event. Me getting sober. Yeah. It's been, excuse me, it's been uh, well since November now though. So, oh wow, uh, yeah. You want to talk about that for a second? Like me, I don't think me and you have personally really talked about it. Like I, I remember you told me that you were uh, going back on the sober train Mm -hmm. and i remember asking you you know like not trying to be an ass but just being like well you know what what's the reasoning behind you doing it and you basically just named off like every aspect of your life that you think that it would be beneficial for you and i mean no i mean no disrespect at all it's awesome i just it's something to talk about I think <laughs> it's it's an important topic. I think it is. It is, and there are. A lot it's not of- like it's not like you had a problem or anything. It, it, but like mm-hmm. the fact that you're giving up casual drinking means that uh, either you think there was an issue or there wasn't, and you just things think things that could be better without it. Yeah, I, and I think both of those things are true. You know, at the same time, there, you know, even casual drinking for me can still be problematic. You know, I can still drink too much and, um, kind of like, you know, I wasn't an everyday drinker by any stretch. I mostly just a a weekend drinker for the most part, especially over the recent years. And, uh, even, even then, um, it, it wasn't all the time, at least for the most part, but sometimes it was all the time, every weekend, you know, and when, when it does become habitual like that, and I am, I have an extremist nature in that sense in that when I do something, I go all out. I hate to use that term extremist because that's going get to me, get me flagged on some kind of watch list or something. <laughs> that's not what I mean. 
It's not what I mean. Um, well, you said you said every weekend. Like, was it was it through the week too, or just mainly the weekend? The weekend. You know, I, I would. There have been times in my life where I would drink through the week. You know, I always wanted to be the kind of guy. I wanted it because I enjoy. You know this. I enjoyed the taste of beer. I enjoyed just drinking a beer. I enjoyed all the different kinds of beer, especially once we got into craft beers. Man, it was like this explosion of beer <laughs> of, of goodness, <laughs> and uh, and it was fun. You know, it's it's fun to taste the different kinds. But you know the the drunkenness it, it always tends to catch up to me. The the buzz you know cascades into into you know more of a buzz, and then I'm drunk, and. I, it's just my nature, man. Whatever I'm drinking, it doesn't have to be anything. Just, you know, aside from a, I don't really have an addictive personality, but when I do something, I just tend to go all out. If I'm drinking this, this thing full of water that I've got here, my big Bubba, um, I, I just guzzle it. You know, it's just how I roll and I'm just not a sipper of things. And, and so beers definitely was no exception. So one of the things, you know, is that I would drink on uh, on a Friday night or a Saturday night and sometimes both, but you know, sometimes usually one or the other and I would hit it pretty hard. And then the next day was just terrible, you know? And so I'm not the type of guy. I, I love what I do for work. I have a passion for my career and that's awesome. So I'm not one of those guys that's just working for the weekend, you know, oh, thank God it's Friday. I love, I love my weeks too. So, so it's cool right. like that. But I do have, you know, the weekends are a time where I have with, you know, the, I have the time off. I have it with my family. I have to, to do stuff around the house um, and to just spend one day miserable because the older I get, the worse the, hungover, the, hang, the hangovers would get. Um, mm. It just wasn't good for me, you know, anymore. And as much as I wanted to be that guy that could just drink a beer every now and again, it's not me. It's not me. And even though I don't have a quote unquote problem with it, it's still problematic in those ways. And, uh, and, and so health wise, you know, I've noticed some differences in my health and I go pretty hard in the gym too. Not, you know, I'm, I'm no Arnold by any stretch. Right. But when I, when I go into the gym, I try to work my butt off and live in that kind of lifestyle where I'm drinking, you know, that amount of alcohol. Um, even if it's just one day per week, it doesn't really mesh well, man. I think it's, I think it was hurting me. I, I think it was hurting me physically. I think I, I've probably suffered from some, um, injury to my body and it's kind of hard to explain it's just it's almost intuitive but then again it could be you know some of these tears that i've got and things like that because i'm drinking alcohol and it's taking a toll on my body and i'm not letting up in the gym i'm still going as hard as i would if i weren't drinking the alcohol so health wise was it was big for me it was big i, I just I, it's a step in the right direction for me not to drink anymore and yeah it's i, I you know of course i'm gonna miss the the drinking of the craft beers, you know, it's just, it's, it's fun. It, it's, it's, you know, I love the taste. I love the atmosphere. I love going out with, you know, you and, and, and whoever else likes to drink beer, but, uh, it's, it's not enough for me to continue in that lifestyle. And that's, that's the physical part of it. You know, then there's a spiritual aspects too, you know, it, it it's hurting my spirit, you know, and I'm, I'm tending more to the spiritual things in my life and I'm putting, a lot more effort into um, uh, maintaining moral and and, um, and a valuable lifestyle in, in the spiritual sense, you know. And so alcohol, just it, it's a numbing thing. It uh, lowers your inhibitions. You know, it causes you to 
do things and say things and yada, yada. And, and you know um, things we haven't talked about on the air, but there for a while my personal life fell apart. And um, coming out of that and uh, realizing that some of that was not just because of alcohol per se, but just because my spirit was not in the right place, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I was out of sync with with myself, and, and things fell apart. And I, I I wasn't guarding my heart anymore, and I wasn't guarding my my values and my principles anymore. So I'm I'm getting back on track with all of that, getting back to myself, and getting back into church. It's something I don't talk about on the podcast either, but church is very important to me, you know, and, and I'm gravitating back to where I come from. I was raised in church. I was born in church and, and I'm proud to be back in church. And so, um, I'm definitely not ashamed to, to admit that that's, that's where my life is going as well. And, um, I, I couldn't be happier that it, it's happening like that. So I don't know if you can tell, but I'm starting to piece, be pieced back together. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I mean, how long have you been, you've been friends for? Like what, when was the, when was the, when do we work together? 2010, I think. I was 2010. So it's been 12 years. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen, I don't know, maybe two or three good, like James falls apart (laughs) and then watch James put himself back together. Uh huh. You know, I've seen a few, I've seen a few of these. Yeah. So, uh, it's, you know, I, I, sometimes I think it can be a good thing. You know, like it, it, you have to kind of fall apart to put yourself back together stronger, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this it, is that there is, the, there is a value in hitting rock bottom, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I haven't, when I say rock bottom, I'm not trying to compare it to other people's rock bottoms because you can't. You know, rock bottoms different for everybody. And I've had much worse rock bottoms than, you know, the more recent rock bottoms that I've had. Um, you didn't know me when I was really hitting rock bottom there a couple of times. But but for, you know, just to hit those really low points, let, let's say that there's value in that for me because I, I do have that um, that extremist nature, you know, that all or nothing nature. And until I get to a place where it really slaps me in the face and is like, man, James, wake up. You've got to change this. You know, you've got to stop. Um, you know, you've got you've got priorities kind of jacked up right now, you know, especially now that, you know, I've got kids. I've got a kid in junior high, you know, middle school. I've got, you know, a boy that's, you know, coming into himself at 10 years old. I've got a career that, you know, I've got to pay attention to. And all these things do add to the stress as well. But those are my priorities. And I have to make sure that I'm aligning myself with those priorities and that other things aren't veering me off in in, in a way that it gets me off track from those priorities, if that makes any sense. So um, right. hitting that, getting slapped in the face sometimes is good because it makes me it makes me look at those things. I have to reassess my values and be like, okay, now what's really, what's really important to me here? You know, what, what's, what's the real value that I have in this life? And then sometimes you got to cut those other things away and let them go. And you shed some of that skin, you shed some of that extra weight that's on you. And, and it wouldn't have happened probably if you wouldn't have been slapped in the face like that. So at least that's me. My life is, it's a, it's a whirlwind sometimes. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) As I said, I've been there a couple of times. Right. So that's good though, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that things are being pieced back together. Yeah. Yeah. I I am too. And I think it's, I think it's good for all, all, all things involved, you know, even though there's, there's some activities cut out of my life, like, you know, drinking beer, chances are I won't be, um, 
getting up late with a hangover for the podcast <laughs> one day. <laughs> You've probably seen that a couple of times too. So well, we've, uh, we've, we've all been there. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my craziness though, amongst a lot of other craziness that's going on out there today, man, in the, in the world. Um, oh really? I haven't heard it. I haven't heard about anything. Well, let what me, you... let me get you up to date, man. Let me get you up to speed. Cause okay. there's some crazy stuff going on out there right now. I need to know. I need um, to know all of it. You've got about 20 minutes. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that should be plenty of time. Um, no, you know, one of the things that you and I, we, you and I have some pretty deep discussions and we, we like to have discussions on Topics such as values, you know, such as uh, work ethic, you know, such as um, uh, uh, motivation is a big one. And, and another mm-hmm. one that I feel like you and I both really look for in, in a lot of different ways is respect. And and what what draws you to respect someone or something? It's like, so, so that would kind of, you got to project your own values onto something. And I think that's how we really start to respect something or something shows you that there is a value that you maybe hadn't possessed before. And it's an enlightening moment and it gives you some kind of respect in that way. Um, how do you, how do you define respect just off the top of your head? Like let's, let's talk about in the sense of a person, what, what causes you to respect a person? What values do they have to possess? I think several of the things you just said, like, uh, you know, motivating people, not me motivating people, but someone who is motivating. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tough. I don't think I've really thought about like what I, what I look for. I think, okay, let me ask you this. Are you somebody who, when you, you talked about like projecting yourself, do you project yourself onto other people? Like, do you look for things in other people that you accept about yourself or that you like about yourself? Well, I try not to. I try not to, too, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay, so like work ethic. You mentioned work ethic, ethic a while ago. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've always taken pride in, and that's something that I also kind of project on other people, but I respect other people who I feel like are you know what I'm saying? Like our hard workers as well yeah, or, or something like that. Um, I mean, I guess just like being a good hearted person in general okay. is something to look at somebody at and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just somebody who has good values and good morals and things of that nature too. You know, I, I think I, I like probably most people I compare myself to other people and I probably respect people who are more like I feel like I am. Okay. And I'm actually working personally on trying to find like people who are outside of that, hmm. that I'm looking at. You do you know, I, I'm not sure if my words are making sense or not, but like in the past I've had issues like having major respect for people who are outside of my morals and outside of my values and things like that. Okay. So I'm personally working on that now to really, I guess, accept other people for really who they are and what their values and morals are. And then trying to, I guess, dig into what, why 
their morals and values are the where are where they are. Yeah. Cause yeah. It, you don't really know. Right. And that's kind of what I was alluding to is that I, I try not to, I guess, just go off of my own. I don't try to project myself on other people and therefore I respect them because I think that narrows things down and it's, and it's kind of egotistical to think that yeah. my values are the only ones that are, are worth respect, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I, I think for me in a big way, I, I, I learned to respect people and some of those values do overlap. Of course, we're going to identify with some of those those values, right? When I know how how hard that I've worked to get somewhere or to, or to do something, to accomplish something, and then I see somebody that works hard when they're trying to accomplish something, I can, I can connect to that. I can relate to that. So therefore, I have respect for that person because I can identify with that hard work, right? right. Experientially, I know that what they're going through because I too have been through it. And so it causes me to respect them. In, in another sense, though, I also respect people who I, I tend to. I, I respect people who far exceed any of the values that I have, like someone who works circles around me. And I, even though I can't necessarily identify with that, working to the level that they do, um, I respect that because I can just imagine how, you know, how difficult they must have worked. Um, so that's just, that's just one example. Um, that, that I can think of. I, I tend to assign v- more uh, more value to people who have accomplished great things. And so they, they tend to earn my respect. Um, but then again, I also respect people who um, go to great lengths to like to be helpful to people, right? Mm-hmm. To they, like, say a Mother Teresa type of figure, you know. Um, you can, you can definitely think about the kind of work that she did and, and how, what she went through, how she lived her life and assign respect to her based on the fact that, wow, that must've been really freaking hard. You know, that, that must've just been, uh, you know, very difficult to live in those types of conditions, but she did it because she was helping people, children, you know, in a lot of, um, a lot of the time. So um, assigning respect to those kind of people, I think, is is also something that I just have to imagine and use my imagination for, you know. And then there is some respect of position, and that's where things get a little shaky. You know, you're supposed to respect your authorities, mm. but, but um, that gets a little shaky because I, I tend to, uh, I question authority a lot of times, you know, um, because I question their own their own values sometimes. But. Well, on th- this, uh, I'm sure you're talking about like starting from the bottom, like our personal authority. So say like our job, our boss, and that works all the way up to the leaders of the planet, right? Sure. Yeah, right, right. Police officers is, is something, yeah. you know, uh, politicians, right? Hmm. Um, whoever would be an authoritative figure, you know, I- I'm not Catholic, but I could just imagine, you know, if you are Catholic and you, you know, the Pope is your authority, you know, he's like the authority over the, the entire church. Um, I would have a problem with that, you know, because I, I question the Pope. You know, so I question authority when it comes to um, certain kinds of positions. Now, my my boss, um, I, I respect my boss because I worked with my boss. I know my boss personally, right? But I've had some bosses who I didn't have respect for. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think they were good human beings, to be honest with you. <laughs> I thought they were jerks, too. So that, yeah. that just kind of depends as well. But I know I was raised 
um, my father really, he really drilled it into me to respect the position of authority, you know, whether it be your principal at school or your, even your teacher at school, um, which sometimes I had problems with, especially in high school. Um, I butted heads with several of them. And then, you know, um, uh, your principal, your, your police officers, you just respect authority. That, that's just it. You respect the position regardless. Um, and, and so I've had trouble with that because I look at the person and I, I, I think I'm more of an individualized um, assessor of, of that position and whether or not that person deserves my respect. I don't know. Do you think over the past couple of presidencies that that's changed like across, especially in our country, you think that's changed? Yeah, I do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, can you, can you still see me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I've I've got nothing. My, my screen is completely black. I don't know why. So really I'm flying blind here. You can't see me either. I can't see anything. It's just black. Weird. Yeah, I don't know if my computer just is. I don't know what the deal is, man. But I, we still got plenty of audio going. So anyway, go ahead. What was the, what was your next point there? You're talking about the like the presidents. Uh, just as far as respect goes, like you said, you it was it was instilled in you to to respect. You know any any kind of I guess power above you, which was hard to do. Well, now it seems like everyone has gotten away from that also like yeah. the just respect your uh, the the authority above you is is gone now i think i mean part of cancel culture and things of that nature we're looking at like w- people realizing i don't have to agree like i don't have to respect our president i don't have to respect mm. you know and and the the group mentality that comes out of that too, because it's not just me, it's a lot of other people. Yeah. And now we get, you know, we build this team together and I don't know, it's just, it's gotten weird over the past few years. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially with the spectacle that is the, the politics in general, but even, you know, specifically the president of the United States. Uh, but, but if you ask some people, I mean, it, it could, it could keep going back, back and back at least to like the Nixon error. Um, I said error. I meant era, but it wasn't error. <laughs> I mean, both of those work. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the Watergate, Watergate scandal, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, how could you do this as the president of the, of the United States? How could you disrespect the office like that? Um, and then we had a little bit of a lull there. I, I think most people were okay with uh, Ford and Carter and you had Reagan. Um, but then here comes Bill Clinton at well, Bush, Bush senior. But then here comes Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton with the whole, um, you know, uh, debacle with him and Monica Lewinsky and, and the publicized, you know, impeachment trial, whatever, whatever it was, um, and, and just his, his demeanor and, and the way that he just kind of floated around and, and Lottie Dahl, there was a lot of my, what my father thought was complete disrespect for the office. Um, dad used to say that he made a mockery of the office. Um, because of that scandal, not talking about his politics in particular, although, you know, there were some complaints there too, but mostly just the way that he kind of brought some disrespect to that office. Um, then you had George Bush Jr., um, which a lot of people ended up disrespecting him because he was daddy's boy. And then because of the, uh, weapons of mass destruction 
line that ended up to be completely false. Then here comes Obama. I think I think both sides respected him, even though you know the the right vehemently disagreed with his politics. Here you go, Trump. Okay, this is this is where it all comes <laughs> all comes to fruition. It was. It's not just okay to disrespect the position of president and, and the person himself when Trump came to office. It's expected. If you don't disrespect him, then you are lumped into one of the Trumpsters. And that can be a, a pretty bad thing. And it's carried over to Biden now, too. You know, the way that Biden fumbles around half the time and he, he's losing his words, which, you know, he's he's elderly. And it's kind of sad. You shouldn't make fun of the guy. But, um, you know, people kind of, you know, they make fun of him and they disrespect him because he's, it just seems like he's um, a little too old, um, at least, you know, cognitively. His, his functioning isn't quite what it should be for for a president. So he's kind of a, an easy target, too. Yeah, I mean, the man, the Trump thing is weird. Like, he, he built a culture of disrespect, though. Yeah. Because he felt like he was being disrespected, so he just flipped the script around. Like, you know, the whole uh, fake news and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Like, he he built that narrative. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, he, he brought disrespect to the office. Yeah. When he was making fun of the, you know, the guy, um, the one of the reporters that was uh, disabled, and mm-hmm. and and Trump was like, eh, you know, he did his thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. unprecedented. <laughs> that's unprecedented for a president <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and I'm not. I I laughed. I don't laugh because because he's making fun of a disabled person. You know that that's not it. I laugh because he, he was just. I mean, who does that? Especially right. if you're, he might have, was he, I don't know if he was president then or if he was still just running for office. But who does that when you've got that kind of visibility? And you shouldn't do that anyway. You know, it was a disabled human being and you shouldn't make fun of them, especially right to their face. You know, right. when the cameras are rolling, I mean, there's, there's no way out of that. He, but he, he just brought it. He brought yeah. it and, and he makes fun of, you know, he, he gave people nicknames that stuck. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, was oh. sleep, sleepy Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, crooked, uh, who was crooked? Somebody was it? Crooked Hillary? I, I don't know, but he gave everybody nicknames, and they stuck because they were yeah. they were pretty good nicknames. And, mm-hmm. and so he, you're right, though he he brought a whole new level of disrespect with him when he when he took office. Yeah, but and I could spiderweb on that. I, I want to spend some time on that one of these days on why he was elected, though. You know, um, people want to think that it, it's the fringe and, and it was just a, it was a fluke or or whatever. But man, there was a there was a I think a pretty strong reason why he ended up taking the presidency, even in in light of, even in spite of all of the uh, disrespect and and the circus and chicanery that he brought with him. You know, there was <laughs> it was uh, it was a referendum on no more like Hillary Clinton and no more of you know that, and there was a, right. a, a broad enough consensus for it to make it happen and it should be a warning sign but it's not people i mean it, it doesn't look like it at least people just say it as it you know they just think it's a fluke you know anyway i digress well i mean we talked we talked about this back then like we definitely didn't want hillary mm-hmm. but we also don't want business as usual like we're we weren't sold on trump but we were willing to give him a shot. Right, that's right. Problem, problem is, giving somebody a shot in a president seat means four years, <laughs> at least, unless they're impeached. <laughs> for the most powerful position in the planet. <laughs> yeah. But hey, let's sure, give him a why shot. not? Let's try it. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I, yeah, I think we both backstepped out of that one. Um, <laughs> just slowly back away. Yeah, we, we deleted all of those episodes we were talking, <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Actually, Squarespace did that, but if, if anybody wants them, I'll, I'll send them to you. Just shoot me an email. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, one topic that you and I had kind of alluded to as well to kind of bring this, uh, you know, into the, the corral is, you know, the thing with, with Joe Rogan, it just, I thought, it, I thought it was going to go away. I talk with a buddy of mine over uh, internet messenger a lot of times and, and we go back and forth about, you know, different topics. He's like, you know, super, um, I, I don't want to call him liberal. He's, he's got some, some very, very liberal ideas though. And, and mine aren't quite so liberal. I, you know, I kind of, uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm probably left of center on a lot of things and I'm right of center on some other things. But, um, we were talking about the Joe Rogan whole debacle, you know, with, um, the, mm-hmm. the way the piling on of Joe Rogan has been taking place. And, uh, I, I told him at one point in time, I was like, man, I, I, I hate to keep beating this dead horse. And this was a while ago. I mean, this was a couple weeks ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I thought that he, you know I, I I didn't want to be the guy that just sit there and beat the same dead horse over and over again. Let, you know, I'm sh- I was sure that something else would take its place by by then, and mm-hmm. and that uh, the subject would just go away. But it it just kept persisting. It just kept going and going and going. And and here we are mm-hmm. still talking about Joe Rogan. Um. So it, it, in the matter of respect, you know, you have you you've had artists, which for some reason it's all these ancient, older artists. Um, Neil Young was, was the first one to step out, I believe, and, and, and probably the most prominent, although maybe Crosby, Stills, and Nash did or stood behind him, something like that. Um, but a lot of people are, are granting them respect for standing up for what they believe in and pulling their music off of a platform that it shares uh, space with someone Joe Rogan, who they feel like is disseminating misinformation by having guests on his show who have um, science that they, well, in my opinion, don't agree with, but they, they don't think that it's it's true. They think it's misinformation and they don't want it spread, so they're pulling their stuff off. Right. Some people are, given, are, are granting those people respect. Um, other people are granting Joe Rogan respect for um, doing what he does and for sticking to his guns. And, and for having those folks on there, knowing that, you know, you may get some backlash, even though I don't think anybody, anybody thought there was going to be as much backlash as what actually happened. So what's your thoughts on, on the respect factor, as we'll call it, um, with, uh, the pulling off of, uh, art from different platforms based off of beliefs, uh, belief systems and, and principle and things like that. So first off. I've got my ups and downs with Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't really like the fact that people are saying that Joe Rogan himself is spreading misinformation. Yeah. That does not make sense to me. Does he have a platform that could potentially do that? Yes. But he, but it's not him specifically doing it unless if if he has a guest on his show and they and they tell him something whether that's true or false if he goes on to another episode and then he starts spreading what they said if it was false mm-hmm. or if it was misinformation then i'm looking at okay maybe he is spreading misinformation himself however i think he does well with towing the line between the two and 
having like one guest on, like say politics. He has one guy on from the left, one guy on from the right, talking a lot about the same kind of things, but getting ideas and thoughts from from both sides. And I think he does that really well with everything that he does. And if you watch the video he put out a little while back after this whole thing started, he said he was going to try even harder to do that more, to make sure that he's got people on both sides of a topic, you know, telling telling their sides of things. But we're like, we're this whole thing came from like actual scientists that were on his show and people who were involved in the making of the COVID vaccine. And we're and we're saying that what they're saying, what they're putting out there is misinformation. That's that seems crazy to me. Well, to be clear, uh, the Robert Malone, he wasn't involved in making the vaccine. He or the was, M- mRNA, right? Yeah, he was one of the engineers of the mRNA uh, yeah, yeah. technology, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so as far as that goes, like I said, I just don't think I don't think it's right to say that he has a. He's had, he is spreading misinformation himself. I think he has a platform that could potentially do that. Yes, but I don't. But I think he really does well with towing the line in between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Neil Young thing, we've you could explain it a little bit better as far as um, the the conspiracy that I feel like should be a lot bigger than it actually is uh, behind Neil Young pulling his his stuff down. Yeah, Neil Young sold half of his catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't even know. So the other thing, the the other question I have is like his music that's on Spotify. I wonder how much of his music that's on Spotify is he actually making money off of as far as streams go. And the reason why I say that is because I wonder how much he's benefiting from do like doing this, right? Or how much he's losing by pulling his music from Spotify. How much was Neil Young actually being streamed on the music that he actually owns? Because he only owns half of his catalog now, right? Right. On top of the fact that he sold it for a buttload of money mm-hmm. and it probably it doesn't really need the money, I would assume. I don't know how he lives. I mean, I don't know what his lifestyle is like. He doesn't look like he lives a lifestyle of luxury to me. <laughs> the guy looks run down. He always has, but I digress. Go ahead. I mean, I have respect for Neil Young. I just think this was a weird, a weird thing. I, I feel like he maybe thought there was going to be more of a domino effect mm-hmm. and there was going to be a lot more artists. And he first, I guess he felt like his name was big enough that he can take down Spotify or some, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And what four or five other people pulled their music? Yeah. Maybe. And, and and that was it. And I would I would like to get somebody to interview Neil Young now and get his opinion and see what he what he says, because he's got to be aggravated, right? He's got to be aggravated that it wasn't near as big of a, a I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, mm. it's definitely been a big deal, but not big enough that like people are like, well, I'm still not going to like not make money on Spotify for Neil Young. I mean, this is dumb. <laughs> right. Has anyone ever interviewed him about this that you know of? Oh, I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Hmm. Someone should if they have it. I would think that they they would have, but maybe he's declined because I'm well, see, sure that someone's another, reached that, out. That, that's another way, like the whole, we, we say it's too much of, it maybe too much of a coincidence with this whole, and I'll let you explain it, the hypno, the, the guy that's part of Blackstone mm-hmm. and all this. That is, there's too much connection there for me. 
too much meaning what? Too much to be coincidence? So, so if we're if if nobody's interviewed Neil Young, right, to talk to talk about any of this, this is literally all that like everything just came from Neil Young saying, "I'm going to pull my music now for Spotify because I think Joe Rogan is spreading misinformation." But there's been no interview for him really explaining himself or anything like that. It just feels like somebody put Neil Young up to doing this. And it's like, okay, I'm choosing Neil Young because he has, uh, he sold a half his catalog for a, a upteen bajillion dollars. He doesn't necessarily need the money from streaming on Spotify. So he has nothing to lose. But we want Joe Rogan off of Spotify because we feel like he is spreading misinformation. Let's use, let's use Neil Young to do this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, it just feels like it. There's too much, too much connection there. And then, I, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. no, no, I don't disagree with you. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I'm not one to never say that. Well, I don't believe in coincidence. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think think there are coincidences, but this is a a 100 million dollar coincidence. You know, this mm -hmm. is so. What happened was at some point in time. Um, there's this there's this company called Blackstone. It's an investment company of some kind. I don't know a lot about it. I hear I hear about some of it on, on some conspiracy theories and have before this all ever happened about them uh, being into some dirt, some dirty business. But go figure. It's a billion dollar business. You know, there's no billion dollar businesses that aren't doing dirt to some degree or another. At any right. at any rate. The a former CEO, I want to say, and if, if you're out there listening and, and you can fact check me on this, then feel free to shoot me an email. Be glad, be happy to correct it. But uh, the uh, a CEO, uh, former CEO of Pfizer, don't have his name on top of on, on, on hand, is now the CEO of this investment company called Blackstone. Blackstone has a, I guess what you call a subsidiary company. It, it's the, uh, uh, Blackstone is a parent company of this uh, record uh, catalog, it, I think it's called uh, Hypnosis Song Management, something mm -hmm. like that. And they buy music catalogs. And some of these music catalogs are worth a lot of money. I was surprised that Neil Young's catalog was worth as much as what they paid for it. I wouldn't have thought so, but I'm not a Neil Young fan. Disclaimer, yeah. I've never really, I've never understood it. I never got why he was such a big thing, you know. Some songs are catchy here and there, but I, I never thought he was like, you know, all of that. So apparently they paid for half of his catalog. They paid him $100 million. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally enough, now this this is probably one of those coincidences I do believe in. It's the same amount of money that Joe Rogan was paid by Spotify to move all of his podcasts over to their platform. So that is the prerequisite that was uncovered later that um, that Neil Young was actually, uh, his catalog was sold to this hypnosis uh, record company, song company. And before before we move on, I'm, I'm curious. I would like to see like what the return on investment on some of those catalogs are. Because I guess like if you, if they, if, they invest and they buy a catalog for a hundred million dollars. They're expecting that. I mean, they own that month that those songs now. So mm -hmm. like anytime it's streamed or used on, you know, TV or whatever, like they're making the money off of that now. Yeah. So I would imagine it takes quite a while 
to make the return, right? I mean, I would imagine, but I don't know. I don't know. They've got to be making money off of it because otherwise they're not going to, I mean, they know what they're doing, right? Yeah. They're not yeah. going to pay $100 million for a catalog they're not going to make buku bucks off of. So I, worldwide, you know, who knows? Who knows? There might be, you know, like he might be huge in China. So you got a billion <laughs> people over there streaming Neil Young, man. Blackstone's <laughs> rolling. <laughs> I don't know. But at any, at any rate, um, you know, and, and disclaimer as well. Um, I am a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, and I've said this several times on our show already. I don't listen to every episode because I don't listen to Joe Rogan for Joe Rogan. I listen to Joe Rogan for his guests. I listen. Mm-hmm. I listen. I, it's because he. I, I like the way he interviews them. That's true. I, I, I like the. I like to hear his talking with the the people that I like to hear. But I don't listen to his show when they have comedians on there. And some every great once in a while I will, but usually I don't. And he's got a lot of comedians on there. I don't mm-hmm. listen to the fight companions. Uh, I just. I just don't. I'm not enough interested in it for me to sit there and listen to it for three or four hours. Um, I listen to a lot that, and I've found people I've, that's where I found Sam Harris and Sam Harris is my number one podcast that I listen to. Right. Um, it used to be waking up now it's, uh, uh, common sense, I think. Isn't that right? Common sense. I think so. But Sam Harris <laughs> is the man. I love Sam Harris. Um, Joe Rogan's where I found, um, oh man, I can't remember a, a couple of authors because they're like, uh, quantum physicists, natural physicist type people. And I've, right. even, I've even bought books from these guys and, and try to act like I understand what I'm reading when I'm reading it. <laughs> um, no, the, the reason why I did buy the books, though, because these guys talk in very plain language. Like you, they're super smart and, and their information is over my head. But kind of like Neil deGrasse Tyson, they have a way about explaining things that lets you feel like you can understand at least the, the basic, you know, the gist of what they're what they're telling you. So it's, it's kind of cool. I found these people on Joe Rogan's podcast, you know, and, and so that's the value that I get from it. So a little disclaimer there. Um, but as far as the respect factor goes, you know, I've, and I, I've said this, I said this to my buddy in one of our, our debates back and forth. If, if Spotify were to deplatform Joe Rogan from their platform, I would just follow him wherever else he went and, and listen to him there. You know, yeah. and not really, well, not really cared. I don't care that Joe Rogan has a hundred million listeners. I don't care about that. I like what I hear, and I get, I get kind of angry when people are stopping me from being able to receive information. I don't like the whole anti-free speech thing; it gets on my nerves. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing too that I've I've said previously. Uh, Rogan has like has money. Like before Spotify came along, Rogan was set for his life money-wise, yeah. between Fear Factor and the UFC and stand-up touring and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know if when he got this $100 million to Spotify, he upped how he lives his life, you know, if he lives in more luxury now or if he needs that money to make sure that he can live the life that he wants. I don't know how that works, but he's he's always, like, he's always had the money. So my point is, is that if Spotify were to drop him, he would just go to his website or he would just go back to YouTube or where, wherever and do this on his own. Right. And the, the thing that's kind of been funny for me to watch is that everything that he's done in his life, he's done kind of on his own, right? Like on, like on his own terms. Now things are happening that he actually kind of has a boss through Spotify 
and he has to like get ahead of these things mm-hmm. or it, to where to where he doesn't make them mad because they gave him a hundred million dollars, you know? Right. So it, it's funny to watch him have to like when he make the, uh, makes these apologies, like I don't know if we'll get into this or not, but like this whole N-word thing uh, situation that's blown up about him saying that word in the past and all this other stuff. I, did you watch the video of that, like of him? Um, the compilation? Uh, no, the, the video of him apologizing for Oh, it. yeah. Yeah, he was pretty hard on himself, it seemed like, you know. He was, but mm-hmm. it confused me because he did it in a way where he was also explaining more times that he did it. Yeah. And I felt like he wasn't helping himself it's in like, this situation. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally got it. I'm like, man, you're media guy. He's got it. Like, do you have a media guy? Because if you do, he's yelling at you right now. He probably doesn't. Uh, he probably just has Jamie. Yeah. Young Jamie. Right. And see that and that's my point too, is that he's he's always done things on his own and now he's trying to apologize and get ahead of things in a way that he's never had to do before. Yeah. Because he's had a podcast for thousands of episodes where he's just said whatever in the heck he wants. Right. And the worst thing that's happened up until now is that when Spotify bought him, they took down a lot of the episodes that they didn't want. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Apparently they didn't with the ones that said the N word a lot. I don't know. Maybe they missed those. I don't know. I don't I'm not sure how the lady that that put that compilation together and that's another thing that gets on my nerves. I mean, it let me start out by saying this. I was disappointed when that compilation came out. Just because I, I really hate that word. I really do. Yeah, I do too. I stay as far away from it as possible. Yeah, even in, even in reference, I just don't say it. You know, I just don't. I, I don't. I and, and Sam Harris even explained it. it this did, I don't know if you ever listened to that little um, that little uh, short podcast that I sent you of Sam Harris um, explaining Joe Rogan the apology, but it's really good. Um, because Sam Harris was not happy with Joe Rogan's having those guests, Robert Malone and Peter McCullough, um, on his show because um, Sam Harris is very much pro-vaccine. He's pro-get out in front of this and, and trust the you know the government in these matters. Um, right. It's what it is. That, that's Sam Harris. That's who he is. But he was very, very complimentary and very um, graceful with, with Joe Rogan about this. And even Sam says... There, you know, it's it's crazy that there's a word like that in the English language that is so explosive. It, it is like a landmine that you do not want to step on or else, you know, you, you get your foot blown off, you get your head blown off. But mm-hmm. and, and some people can say it and some people can't. And you've got to know the rules. And if you if you break those rules, then, you know, you you, you get piled on by the by the mob and. Um, and that is crazy, but I would still just rather stay away from that word. And every time Rogan used it, it was in reference to somebody else who was using it. But honestly, I mean, I just stay away from that word. Just don't use it. There's, there's no need to, you know, it doesn't prove anything as far as I'm concerned. Having said that, um, it it was, it was funny to me that this compilation just now came out. Hmm. Go figure. You know why? Why all all of these these uh, instances? This compilation could have been put out probably two years ago, a year ago, something like that, right? Because right. most of the instances that where he said that word, they were probably all like earlier than two or three years ago. They were probably further back. Maybe there was a couple you know, more recently, but I don't think so. At any rate, right. that compilation is old, and so it was used just as another 
just as more ammunition to pile on currently due to this whole Spotify thing, you know. It was just right. it was just used as ammunition, and so therefore the act itself it was disingenuous. Now that that doesn't matter to some people, and that's okay. That's your opinion. Mine is that you know I wish he wouldn't have said those words in the first place, or that word in the first place, because I don't like it. But right. he has a right to say it, in my opinion, and, and not have to, um, you know. But he also has the he also has to pay the consequences if he does say it in the public forum. You know, a lot of people who may have been on the fence may not listen to him now, and that's the price that he has to pay. You know, right? But I don't know. It just it's just how it happened is what. I don't have respect for the way that that happened for sure. Right. Well, I mean, in the people that are trying to paint the picture that he's a racist yeah. and stuff like that, because he uses that word. I'm like, how many African-American people has he had on his show? Yeah. You know, and, um, do you know, Donnell Rawlings is I know he's that, a comedian. Yeah. I know that name. He was, a uh, Ashy Larry in the day or in the, uh, Chappelle show. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Anyways, there, there was a, uh, one an episode where him and Dave Chappelle were both on Rogan's show, mm. and then there was a still picture shot of uh, those two and Rogan in the studio, and he had posted on Twitter, I think, and said, "This would not be possible if Joe Rogan was racist." Mm. Like basically saying he's got two black guys in the studio, you know, chalk, chalking it up and having a great time. Like he's as far from racist as it gets. I, I, that's. That's dumb. And I think a lot of that in, in also the whole misinformation thing, I'd like to see, which you're never going to be able to see, but I'd like to see the percentage of people who have actually listened to one full episode of Rogan who have chimed in on this whole thing and not people who have seen clips mm-hmm. and seen snippets of either him saying the N word or of what they think is misinformation. I want to see like how many people actually were fans of Rogan, listened to Rogan religiously, and then now aren't because they really believe this stuff. Because if they did and they didn't take stuff out of context, I guarantee you they would be saying something different. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's so true. And I was thinking the exact same thing. You can tell. I mean, I don't do it anymore because it's just too much. But there for a while, when everything was first brewing, I was, you know, getting... I wasn't uh, engaging, but I was just tracking a lot of the social media uh, comments sections. Oh, it's it's a dumpster fire, man. And and you could just see it. It, The same thing kind of happened. This started, if you remember back with the horse dewormer, you know, all all he said, he he wasn't, he wasn't really, he wasn't saying anything against vaccinations back then. It's just people were ready to pile up on him. And I told my buddy in one of our debates that he's, it's because he's on top. When you're on top, you're a target. You've got a big target on your back, son. And CNN was, he's got, I, I don't know how much more, 10 times more viewership than what they've got. And we're talking right. about a major, the, CNN's been around since I was a kid. You know, they right. were they were the cable news company. That was the channel. It was the only channel back then. Um, it was groundbreaking. And they've always been like the, 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 epitome of cable news and now he dwarfs the he makes them look like you know nothing and yeah. and so they're jelly <laughs> they're, they're they're totally jelly and mm-hmm. they're trying to they're trying to take him down and that's all that was but people didn't see it for that and that's what got me i don't fault joe rogan for saying that he was on ivermectin they took ivermectin when he got covid and, and it because that was only one thing that he took amongst many things 
And I don't on, on, on top of the fact that I know we've talked about this before, but even that whole thing was blown out of proportion because people in they heard the word ivermectin and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, he he's taking stuff that horses take. <laughs> that's, that's the there, thing. There's a human consumption form of ivermectin. He's not a he's not stupid. <laughs> like I, I don't understand why people like it, the it, picture that people are trying to paint. It's people who have no idea what they're talking about. That's what gets yeah. to me. That, that's what I'm getting yeah. to, man. Because I don't even I don't even like fault CNN for trying to target him for for being like on top because it's business, man. It's a rat race. You know, it's competitive. Well, and it also gives them like more viewership probably because they're talking about Joe Rogan. True. Yeah. So yeah. everybody listens like, to like, Joe Rogan yeah, instead of yeah. CNN. So now they're going to check out CNN right. because they're talking about Joe Rogan. Right. And, and, yep. But but I do fault them for, for, especially for a major news organization, they sunk to the level of social media, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, of uh, what do you call them? Uh, the, the the rabble rousers, the trouble starters, um, social justice warriors. No, um, o- online, uh, the guys who pick fights. Anyway, trolls, trolls. They CNN was trolling. <laughs> CNN was okay. trolling Joe Rogan with this yeah. horse dewormer stuff. It, but they but CNN's a, a supposedly a professional news organization, man. And that's when that's when their whole outfit went into the toilet. But the, the, my biggest problem, this is my biggest problem out of all of this, is the amount of people that jumped on that bandwagon. I was tracking social media, dude, and it was everywhere. Now, mm-hmm. now, granted, I liked the memes. We talked about this, too. The memes <laughs> were hilarious. Joe Rogan yeah. transforming slowly into a horse. Like, it was like, you know, <laughs> shot by shot. And each, each, yeah. each shot, he was more of a horse than before. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't get enough of that. But the fact that people were taking it seriously, people that they literally thought that he was taking a horse deworming medication that was unfit for human consumption and that he was a terrible influence because now all these people are going to, what these people don't even realize is that ivermectin, the, the, the topic of ivermectin has been around since COVID first began. They just didn't yeah. know about it. I've heard about it because I listen to a lot of different wide varieties of, of shows and, and different viewpoints, things like that. Um, at any rate, that's really what got to me was that whole point. Here's something I want to bring up though, because I don't want to put myself up there like, like this stuff never happens to me because it does. Okay. <laughs> We've got to be careful about the bandwagons. We've got to be careful yeah. about sol- or either selectively or haphazardly coming across information and running with it. You know where I'm going with this, right? Because yeah. when we were talking about what we we're going to talk about today on this podcast, I said, well, let's talk about how Neil Young, you know, put his stuff back on Spotify. That's, <laughs> that, that would be fun to talk about. Um, and then you text me back a little later. You're like, are you sure that actually happened? Because uh, you went to fact check and I hit and, and I told you, like, nope, I'm not sure. Because when you asked me that, I was like, you know what? I didn't research that. I remember seeing a couple of posts. I saw a couple, a couple of different social media posts where that was the case, and yeah. uh, my mind took it, and ran with it. It happens. Which I want to be honest with you, I didn't like do a crap load of research. I literally just typed in, "Did Neil Young put his music back on Spotify?" And the first thing that popped up was like, "Absolutely not. This is completely false." And like went through this whole thing about like the only music left on there was like uh, soundtrack stuff that his music was on. And stuff like that. And then I, I, I just looked at a few other articles and pretty much all of them said that he, uh, that it was false, that it what he didn't put his stuff back on. There, oh, so. Okay. Well, check us out. Here's what I did. Okay. <laughs> after, after you had said that and I was like, no. So I saw we better think of something else <laughs> to talk about today. 
Um, but I went, I went and checked myself, right? I did the same thing. I, I think I even got on Google this time, which I don't, I don't use Google a whole lot anymore. I use other, other sources, but, um, I, I saw a variety of things. I saw some that said, yes, he, he, he quietly, which is, this is what the social media post said, how, how Neil Young quietly put his music back on Spotify. And then I saw posts like what you said. There's, you know, he did not do that. That's a social media hoax or blah blah. And I kept, I kept seeing conflicting uh, articles, uh, posts about about what he did. So you know what I did? I went to Spotify and I searched for Neil Young. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you didn't find anything. The stuff like you mentioned, he's got like oh, okay. a, just a couple of things. You could tell it was just. Uh, like maybe uh, a compile, uh, what do you call it? compilation album or something? Maybe a soundtrack, something like that. There's a couple of hits on there, but like Neil Young, he's got a. I'm sure he's got a catalog. Well, it's you know apparently worth over a hundred million dollars. So hey, uh, now I, I just thought about something, and I hadn't thought about this before. So he only owns half of his catalog. Is that other half of his catalog on Spotify? Like none of his music's on Spotify, right? No, but he doesn't. So like, was the I guess the group that bought his the other half of his catalog was in involved in this also. I think I think like they, had they wanted been. that music pulled down too because now they're not making any money off the streams either. Think about it though. If, if he only owns half of his catalog, how is he going to pull down his entire catalog from Spotify? That's my point. It, but you, but you already you know it's also your point. I'm just going to reiterate here that they had to have collaborated with him to do that. True. Okay. I hadn't even thought about that. Hence the coincidence again. This former Pfizer CEO, you know, um, followed the money, and and this is kind of kind of to to bring it full circle to some degree. When it comes to the respect of these things, I really don't. (laughs) I really, you know, (laughs) let's be honest. Joe Rogan went to Spotify because they paid him a hundred million dollars. You know. Yeah. Um, He is not my hero. And he never was. He's never. He's never going to be. He does a great show, and and I in in some respects, you know, I, th- I think we've taken some uh, some pointers from him just by the way he does things, and and we've kind of to some degree, not not a whole lot, but we try to model ourselves a little bit after him and, and his quality and and the way that he holds long form conversations, things like that. I, I know I speak for myself. I really liked that, and I still do. And you know, I I just really admire that part of what he does. But he's not a role model to me, you know. When he went to when he went to Spotify, I, it was it was known. I don't know about well known. I knew about it. And I know a lot of other people did too. There's a site where you can go that shows where all of the episodes that Spotify took out of his library. You and I talked about how they took all of his stuff off of YouTube, I believe, right? Something you and I talked about something like that. How they they took control over everything. So in in a way, he gave up his sovereignty. To, to Spotify. Why? Because yeah. of $100 million. He got paid, you know. Do, right. do, do I fault him for that? No, but that's not really why I respect someone because they made a whole bunch of money. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I mm-hmm. don't respect someone like Neil Young either. He I, And I think that's what, maybe, maybe he could care less. You know, I, I can't speak for him. I don't know what he's thinking. You know, maybe he's really just standing up for what he believes in. But out of all the things that you want to stand up to believe in something you choose this hill with right with joe rogan 
on Spotify when there's there's all kinds of stuff going on out in the world where you could put your foot down and say, well, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to be a part of that. And I, I've heard some examples. I can't remember them off the top of my head where other hills where Neil Young could have could have, you know, chose to to take his stand. But he mm-hmm. chose this one. And I've got to wonder why in the first place. Um, but Neil Young was also paid one hundred million dollars to sell half of his catalog. He right. made a buttload of money. Do I fault him for that? No. But do I have respect for the man? Zero. I have zero for him. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't know the guy, but I don't like his music. You know, he, I'm not a fan. I'm nothing, nothing against him. But I, I just, I don't, I don't mean to disrespect him either. You know, when I say I have zero respect for him, I just, I got nothing for him. It, it's nothing personal. He's got nothing for me either. So we're equal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Out of all these big players, these big moves, if they're really thinking that, and I'm sure you and Patrick are probably have talked about this. I I don't know. I didn't catch the last episode after the Super Bowl of Rage on the Radio, but um, Eminem kneeling, that whole thing during his his part in the the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Did you guys talk about mm-hmm. that? Well, so we haven't had an episode since Super Bowl yet. Oh, you haven't. Um, oh, okay. Because that was last Sunday. Um, no, we haven't. Oh, and I right. was, I was, I actually forgot about it, but I did want to bring it up with you on that topic. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't researched it enough. Uh, I, I've seen little things here and there about like uh, clickbaity stuff where it says like Dr. Dre's opinion on Eminem kneeling. And uh, before the show or before the Super Bowl happened, I think he had made the comment about wanting to kneel during for the was it for the national anthem or something or or, or something along those lines but i'll tell you what did you did you watch the halftime show at all no no you haven't seen it no i haven't okay so eminem rose up to the top of this plat this platform is like a basically like a house that was set up um and then he he just did lose yourself and at the end he knelt but i didn't even think anything of it like I even knew that there was get, that there was possible controversy about this, mm-hmm. but I did maybe I don't know if people are looking too far into it or if Eminem has made a statement about it. I don't know. Yeah, but I didn't even think about it because the way it looked to me, when he was done with his part, the next person's part started. Mm-hmm. So he just like kneeled. It looked to me like it was part of the whole presentation. Yeah, like the choreography. Yeah. 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 So like I said, I don't know if Eminem has made a statement about it. He may have, and he may have said, yes, I absolutely was kneeling for a reason and this, that, and the other. I don't know. Um, but either way, man, I, I, another, I'm a fan of Eminem. Um, but, but the whole kneeling thing doesn't really bother me. Yeah. No, me neither. I I guess, you know, I, I, I still, I think the whole Colin Kaepernick thing where this whole thing started, was blown way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Never should have gotten as big as it was, but you know how we know how people are and we know how social media is now. Yeah. And it's only getting worse. Yeah. And it, it, it's a shame that, I mean, social media has a lot of good things, but it's got a lot of downfalls as well. And it's a shame that social media is becoming everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like the like we're talking about Trump, we're talking about Joe Rogan, we're talking about all these people who are getting attacked from behind keyboards. Right. You know, that's and right. 
and it's insane and it's reaching millions and millions and millions of people we've never had that 20 years ago we didn't have that option mm-hmm. 10 years ago we didn't really have that option you know it's just it's crazy yeah it's grown into the beast that it is today just over the the past you know what five years maybe it hasn't been very right. long i mean i do remember chat rooms when i first got the internet was a that could be a cesspool uh, but it wasn't nothing like what social media is now because social media is so prolific. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, and it's not, you know, you don't have to be on social media. You can choose not to be. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Cause I actually know some people who, who don't touch it. They, they've never had a social media account, not even once. And I, I can respect that. <laughs> you know, we're talking yeah. about respect. I got respect for someone who chooses to do that because it's difficult, man. It, it's, it's a pipeline uh, to society. And, if you have a business or a podcast or anything that you're trying to do to get out there, it's it's kind of like free advertisement, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, you'd have to take out an ad in a paper, a magazine, a, a, a TV commercial. Who could ever afford that? But you know, a radio commercial, something along those lines. Um, and nowadays, you get to put your stuff out there pretty much for free, and you try to grow your 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 social media um, scope, the, the amount of friends that you have, the amount of connections that you have, so that you can reach more people with this advertisement to get your stuff out there. So it right. has it has a lot of utility, and at the same time, it's a it's a vortex of cess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's cess it, word. Like I've heard the word cesspool before, but I've never heard cess by itself. Is that a thing? Dude, I don't know. I was what asking, is this? I was asking myself that same question as I was saying it. I was like, "Is that the thing?" But it's just flowing out of my mouth, so I rolled with it. Um, <laughs> I think so. I think "cess" is a word. If not, I mean, it works. You knew exactly what I was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But but it is in the vortex. Yeah, I've got dear friends. <laughs> I've got some good ones who cannot help but get sucked into that vortex. Mm-hmm. Um, now me, I'm, I'm a voyeur of, of sorts, you know, I, I scan or I track some of these comment sections on some of these hot topics, these hot button topics. And sometimes even these particular, um, what do you call them? Like, uh, the, uh, the uh, groups or whatever, you know, where I know that there's going to be, and because it's incited, you know, I'll just, I'll pick on one, one site, for instance, vice. You know, Vice has a, a public, uh, a social media account, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times their articles in there are just clickbaity. You know, it, it's just meant to stir up an argument, and I get that, and, and I, I have trouble with understanding how everybody else doesn't get it either, or even more complex that they do get it, and yet they can't help themselves but go in there and make the comments. You know, right. even the comments that say, you all are stupid. Don't you understand that they just want you to get in here and argue? And then I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, but you just added to the comment section. You just did that. That's all they need. They don't care what your views are. They just want, the, they get ad, ad revenue from how many comments, how much engagement they get. It also increases their uh, their reach on the algorithm. You know, so there's, there's a there's a science behind this madness. I don't know how to do it. You know, you and I have talked about it. I can't do it myself, but I can I can kind of visualize how the, the real big players are doing it and, and kind of see how they're, you know, why they do what they do. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't spend the time to do it. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a vortex of cess, my friend. And some it's, people it's cannot help too. it. It's weird, too. Like, I've even seen 
uh, I follow like on Facebook, I follow several uh, local St. Louis news channels on, on Facebook. Right. Yeah. And I've seen them just post random stuff. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen Joe Rogan type stuff on there. Like, do you uh, saying like, do you agree with this or not Mm -hmm. or whatever? And all that is, is just to provide arguments in in the comment section. Right. Yeah. When I see that, I read it and I just keep scrolling. See, I can't do, I don't have the power, like the the energy to look through comment sections and try to read people arguing with each other. It just doesn't fit into my life. And I know it's not going to benefit me at all. It can be funny at times if it's the exact right conversation for me to think about at the time. Uh That's fine. But I'm never going to get like my own personal opinion off of watching people fight back and forth about things. It's just not going to happen. Absolutely. If you, if you want to give me a, if, if I can get both sides, like clearly saying exactly why it's good or why it's bad, then maybe I can actually, you know, mm-hmm. I can take something from that and form my own opinion off of it, but that's not going to happen in the comment section on Facebook. No. No, no, it, 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 it gets brutal, dude. It gets personal. It, yeah. it gets stupid. Mm-hmm. People, you know, they, the social media outlets have finally figured out how to make privacy um, settings because there's still ways around it, but they're even starting to find those, or they're starting to close those gaps as well because what people do is, you know, someone will comment in the comment section then go to that person's profile and pick out like, you know, those look at family pictures and things like that or or if they got misspellings, you know, in, in some of their posts, whatever, and so they'll start using that to attack the person on the original comment section of that post. Oh my God. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's fantastic though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for what it is, it's a cesspool, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't like... I, I, the, the fantastic part for me is the links that people will go to in order to have these arguments and, and, you know what, and the creativity though, that's actually, involved. I actually fault the original person, <clears throat> not the person that's going and looking at the other person's profile, but I fault the person who puts a bunch of personal stuff on their Facebook page, ah. like photos of their kids and pictures of their vacation and all this other like personal stuff. If you're going to go into comment sections and you're going to leave your profile on public to where people can go in and see your stuff, you're opening yourself up to it and you did it on your own. Right. I know you're glutton for punishment. Yeah. It, you're right. You're right. And I don't condone that stuff. You know, I, I kid, I joke about it, but it is, I, I do look at it sometimes. Now I'm, I'm like you, there's no benefit I'm, I'm going to get from that. I'm not going to shape my opinion based off of anything in the comment section because it is, in fact, just a dumpster fire. But it does give me a sense to to the degree that it can. And who knows whether I'm actually accurate on this or not. I feel like I am, though, because I've seen some trending happen based off of the comment section on some things like the Joe Rogan pile on. You know, I go to different sites, different social media, um, um, you know, like 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 a HuffPost versus... Uh, something that's more pro Joe Rogan. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. What was that? I don't know. That was cool noise. Okay. Anyway, sure it was. <laughs> um, it was uh, I, I go to both of those things and kind of compare to see what the trending is. 
and mm-hmm. you can kind of see like like I saw the pylon coming. Like I saw I saw the pylon of Joe Rogan like building. It was this beast that kept feeding on itself, and you could see mm-hmm. it happening. It generated this momentum on social media, and it was crazy. And I just when I thought it had crested, it kept building and building. I was like, my goodness, like these people really have it out for Joe Rogan. And that was before the whole N word compilation came out. And when when that came, I was like, "Oh my goodness, here we go again." This is this is still building. Um, that's why I look at the comment section sometimes to just kind of get a feel for just how how bad social media is in the comment section and some of these things. And, and and it really has enlightened me over the past year or two more than ever how everyone is so manipulated by social media. Like I've seen, I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie, the social dilemma? It's on Netflix. You got to watch it. It's Mm -hmm. yeah. You've seen it. It's great. That Mm -hmm. guy was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Actually, that's how I found it. Um, but the, the social dilemma, um, the the warnings are all there. It's, and they tell you the science, the behavioral psychology behind these social media sites. Like it's not on accident that they get your attention. They're doing it on purpose and they know what they're doing. Um, and, and we're feeding into it unless you're like me and you and we're like, no, thank you. Of course, you more than me because you won't even look at the comment section. Um, I don't make comments. I only I only scan. Um, well, the, the, the big thing is, too, is that we both know a time before this. Right. We know a time yeah. before social media was a thing. True. I mean, look at our kids. Our our kids aren't going to know a time without it. Right. Right. Yeah. How, what's what's what are things going to look like in the next thirty years? You yeah, know, absolutely. I it, it could be a dumpster fire. <laughs> it's going to be. I mean, unless I, I don't know what can change it. You know, the and it's it's going to get even worse when you've got the metaverse. If that actually takes shape, and your your social outlets are in the metaverse, um, your advertisements are in the metaverse, and so once again you're compelled. Because I have a feeling that if it wasn't for like the podcast. And if it wasn't for like, you know, some things like that or, or keeping in touch with family or, or co ex coworkers, things like that. But if it was just the social aspect of things, I have a feeling that you and I wouldn't even be on it. You know, um, I, I'm pretty confident that I wouldn't be on it nearly like to the degree that I am without the podcast. And, and, and you know, cause over the past four years, you know, you track, a lot of people, especially you know, past guests and potential future guests, things like that. So it's a, it's a way to kind of network and get in touch with people. But if it wasn't for that, but just imagine if that's the metaverse next and, and we're compelled to, to get in there and, and live in the metaverse to some degree because we want to promote things and, and it, it's our, it's our networking outlet. And, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to be, it's going to get even worse because it's, it's going to be more, um, Submersive is that is that the right term? Submersive, um, so immersive. I don't know something like that. But we're going to be locked in, man. And uh, mm-hmm. who knows? On that note, and we got we got to close this thing down. But on that note, have you seen the article? Have you read the article or heard about the woman who was sexually assaulted in the metaverse? No, this is new. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a thing, <laughs> you look man. So disappointed, you look so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, this thing hasn't even gotten off the ground yet, brother. And, and, and look, and look, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's 
traumatic experience. I'm not. I wasn't there. I don't know. But we're talking about, okay, a virtual groping of a female by I think one or, or maybe a couple of males on the metaverse. So this is virtual reality here, right? This is not like there was nothing physical that actually happened. They weren't, they, they could have been in two separate countries. And yet this lady has been traumatized by this act this that happened on the metaverse. Now, look, I think part of my, a big part of my just disillusion with this circumstance, this is just the beginning. Like, where does this, this, this isn't going to end well. Where does this go? I, I kind of I liken it to like cyberbullying, right? You yeah. know, that that's kind of the, the, the same sort of thing. Like you, you immerse yourself in it and you get an emotion, like a, a bad feeling from it, or like you get upset from it, or, you know, it, the, the same concept, like you're choosing to get upset from it. No, I feel you. I, I do. And, and cyberbullying is a real thing, you know. No, don't get me wrong. I Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I just mean that like with cyberbullying, like nothing nothing is physically happening. Correct. I'm not saying that it can't like potentially be that way. And just like with what you're saying, the sexual harassment thing. Right. They could be in separate countries. They could be in one town over. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. And that could potentially become something worse than just a, you know, just something in the metaverse. But that is... I don't know.